I'm Pat Hyben, and over the past 25 years, I've sold over 7,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in volume. In 2010, I sold my teen business to my top agent and went on book tour promoting my book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate professional's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. That book went on to become a New York Times bestseller. Now I live off the passive income streams from the real estate I bought with commissions I earned as a full-time agent. And I am committed to giving back to the real estate industry as so many mentors of mine have given back to me. On this show, we'll interview the world's best agents, brokers, coaches, and investors to help you make more commissions and create the life you deserve. Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a very different guest today. You know, everybody, we usually get a real estate agent, a real estate coach, or a real estate investor. Today, I got a, our first, actually, I believe, uh, mortgage officer, uh, but she's way more than a mortgage officer. She, First of all, she's in the top uh, 1% of all mortgage officers in the world. She has a huge team, been doing this 34 years, just knocking it dead, and we're going to talk about some things to be on the alert for, some things to pay attention to in the coming year, in the 2017-2018 realm, you know, what life is going to be like under the Trump administration with regards to regulation and maybe some predictions of how she sees things compared to, you know, the last four or five years. So without further ado, Jen Duplessis, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to share what I have, whatever anybody wants to hear. I'm so glad you came on. Why don't you give everybody a little more background than I gave? Oh, on me? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, let's see. My degree's in architecture, and way back in the that day, I couldn't get a job in that field. Women couldn't get a job. You can't even get a job in that now as a man. And um, my dad was an architect, and I said, nah, I didn't want to do that, so I went on to an interview and got hired in the mortgage industry when rates were 18 and a half percent. And I said, great, what's percent? And then, uh, ah, ah. The, rest is, the rest is history. That's funny. I, That's funny. I know. <laughs> I know because isn't that how most of us get How's in the business? Work? You yeah. don't go to school for this, you know? And, uh, so the rest is history and, you know, I've, I've managed big teams, national companies, uh, underwrote for many years, but you know, my real love is taking care of clients and I get more excited than they do about buying houses. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm an avid real estate <laughs> investor. I think that's why I, I just think it's a thrill to uh to buy homes so yeah so that's where i'm at that's and awesome. now how celebrating many, 34 years that's wow incredible so how many houses have you bought how many houses do you have now i think we have 112 units so i'm not sure how many houses that is it's we have some multi-units yeah. and so yeah about 112 units that's that's awesome you know you walk your talk right I mean, well, hey, we're talk. selling this product, right? I mean, so if a client asks you, is it a good time to buy? And you say, yeah, it's a good time to buy. I'm not buying. I don't have any real estate. But yeah, you should. That's just silly. So, you know, want to make sure that I'm I'm buying the product I'm, I'm participating in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Very good. Very good. So let's talk about today. So we can give these real estate agents listening some tips on how to sound smarter in front of their buyers. What What is going on with current regulation of mortgages, things like that? Yeah, and I'm so glad that you're asking this question because, you know, a lot of the conversations that realtors have with me as a lender from my perspective is just what's the right, right? And that's just, that is just the last thing that we talk about when we're talking to clients. It's very important. And quite frankly, everybody is within an eighth to a quarter percent in rate and they're usually about two or $300 different in fees. It, It boils down to who you feel comfortable working with. And so one of the best things that a real estate agent can do is really get to know their lender. They know what they do, but we need to get to know people as human beings and how, how to work. And so that you can identify the best um, real or best mortgage person to fit that client's um, personality style and things like that. So that's one of the things that, that um, makes people a lot smarter is really dig in and, and not um, have just these knowing, kind of, just knowing your lender. But, but I meant yeah, more but, from yeah, a, no, I, yeah, I meant more from like, okay, so let's get specific. So, yep. you know, Trump comes out on his first day and he smashes yep. the FHA mortgage <laughs> insurance premium, yeah. right? Now, yep. uh, was that good or bad in your mind? Well, you know, I'm kind of even on what that was. I mean, we were excited that it was coming out, uh, but it hadn't really been released yet. The timing wasn't right. It wasn't going to be really effective until February 1st so um, or thereabouts. So I, we really hadn't had the chance to share that with clients because so until it wasn't like regular- all that stuff they put in the newspaper about, you know, all of a sudden ah, so many people, uh, mortgage applications are down and this is no. probably because of it. You said that's bullshit, right? That didn't, that's well, not totally- the reason why mortgage applications are down. Yeah. I mean, the only reason that someone would do an FHA in this, in this point in time in our industry right now is if they had really bad credit because there are so many opportunities with home ready and home possible, uh, through Fannie and Freddie and their PMI is, to die for cheap. Okay, tell me so, about what's what's home ready and home possible. So those are Fannie Mae. Uh, home ready is Fannie Mae. Home possible is Freddie Mac. Uh, Fannie and Freddie's uh, low down payment programs. Um, they have some limitations on on uh, income, but you don't have to be a first time buyer in all cases. But it's three percent down, and there's reduced private mortgage insurance for that particular client. So it's a competitive so, product with FHA. It's totally competitive, and so FHA becomes the loan of last resort because the PMI is for the life of the loan. And maybe that's why Trump did it because he's like, oh, we, we really don't want any more of this risk. You know, we don't we don't need the loan any more money. Right, the housing market is good. Why do yeah, we, you know, we don't need to make it better with the yeah? Three well, we thought it was great. Top. We thought it was great, you know, and said, oh, well, this is kind of good because, you know, for the client who doesn't have a lot of cash and can't get a gift and things like that, there's a lot of upselling that we can do on the interest rate to pay for closing costs on an FHA that we just don't have the opportunity on the other. So, yeah, there's a certain segment of the market that will lose out, but this is not the end of the world. The FHA has become the loan of last resort, not first choice. So what is the hearsay now, okay, on uh- – you know, right. what's going to happen? What what else is going to happen similar to that, that that's going to affect the mortgage industry and, of course, affect the buying industry in real estate? Well, it's kind of a double-edged sword here because and unless we find out that he's doing something, you know, that, that we, we didn't even think about. I mean, he's pretty pretty dynamic in the fact that he comes up with things that you don't even, you know, ideas. And so he may come out of out of the air with something. But um, so we've got we've got a couple different situations going on. Um, the first is that let's talk about rates. Um, what's going on with rates? So the feds, 
Um, the feds are going to continue to incre- increase the federal funds rate. Um, they're going to make a change in, or uh, increase it in February, probably by a quarter. And so everybody's going to freak out about it. But the fact of the matter is, all predictions, National Association of Realtors, Fannie, Freddie, FHA, and Mortgage Bankers Association, all predicted that rates would be at 4.6% at the end of 2016. Okay. At the end of 2016, they were 4.375. They okay. just went there really fast after the election. So everyone freaked out. Um, so that's that's the issue that we have with there. So, so, we're so right on to, go, to go to 4.6 from 4.4, let's say you got to go up. 40 basis points. So, you know, some, a lot of the predictions are three more times this year, which would be 0.75, which is different than 0.40. Where do you think it's going to lie? What happens if you get to 0.75? That's going to put you at 4.95. Is that right? Okay. Nope. It's not. So this is good that we're talking about this because there's a big disconnect in what people think happens with the federal funds. First of all, the federal funds rate is what banks charge to each other for overnight borrowings on short-term money. That's described as long as... Uh, as far out as a one-year treasury. So someone has an arm that's tied to a one-year term, a one-year LIBOR treasury, has that. That's what affects short-term rates. So when the feds raise rates, actually, on a chart, you can look this up, mortgage rates drop. And they drop for a short period of time. And then they they kind of come back up and sort of meet the market because mortgage rates are on long-term long-term rates. So feds only change for short term. So I get the call all the time. Oh my God, they raised rates. No, they didn't. It's a good day to call me because it's good. So what's going to happen is they're going to increase rates in March. So probably increase them a couple more times. Now, here's the thing. If Trump gets everything that he wants, he's doing infrastructure, he's um, he's claiming that he's going to eliminate or uh, rescind Dodd-Frank, which I, I just can't see happening. We're so far down the road with some of the the other things that I just can't see that it's just going to be eliminated and we go back to the world that we had before. And he's going to help businesses. Now, if he eliminated it, is that what would happen? It would just it kind of explode and you'd have to start all over? Or can you just eliminate parts of it? I think he's going to eliminate parts of it, constricting parts of it that are just, you know, ridiculous for lending. Like I, I what? Think that, I think perhaps we would go back to a HUD instead of a CD because okay. nobody gets it. The, the, um, focus group for that was 800 people, and I can tell you that of my borrowers, none of them understand it. So I want to know who these 800 people are that thought the CD was great, <laughs> right? So I think they might go back to something like that, just make that a little easier for people to understand because that was kind of silly. And yep. ironically, one of my clients works for CFPB, who is an attorney, and she was actually creating that form, and she'd never bought a house before. So that's where that kind of lies. I think some of that might happen. Um, I think that uh, some of the, the restrictions ap- on a, lenders. Go like ahead. what? Like what? Well, I just say uh, just the internal things with the CFPB. You know, recently there was a big um, lawsuit, you know, with um, I can't remember the name of the mortgage company, a big, big issue with the MSAs. I think the MSAs need to come back. I think they could be restructured. Mm. But I do think that because what's happening is they're doing it anyway. People are doing it anyway, and they're getting fined left and right. And the bottom line is that uh, they shouldn't be uh, – I just don't think that that uh, it allows for other lenders to be able to go into an MSA. And believe me, I, I like them because I had one, and I had to let it go. But uh, I think there's a place for that. I think he's going to pull back on that so that it's uh, more capitalism, if you will. You yeah, know? I mean there's a million of them, and, there's, and the same with the title – 
and it just it, it just varies. Yeah. You just get a better attorney than you had, and, and and the next attorney comes up with a different way to get around it. I mean, right, and that's exactly it. And so there's a lot of um, you know underground stuff going on with that. So let's just bring it up to the top, just loosen it up a little bit. I think that'll be helpful. But getting back to rates, so if he gets all these things that he wants to do, what's going to happen is the stock market is going to be very favorable. We're going to have inflation, right? And our values of homes are going to go up, and the money that we get in the bank accounts is going to go. You know, our our interest that we're earning is going to go up. What you're going to possibly see because um, to control that so that rates don't go too high, you may see the feds raising rates more than a couple more times. They may raise them four or five times. That's their job. Their job is to curb inflation so it doesn't run away from us. Right. So you may see them doing that more frequently to sort of put the skids on things, therefore keeping long-term interest rates lower. So I don't believe that we're going to be at five and a half by the end of the year. I believe, um, and most of the predictions with the economists that I um, pal around with, I uh, believe that we'll probably be around 4.625. And that if we go up any higher than that, we would not exceed five. And look, in the in the history of loans, since we've been coll- you know collecting the data way, way back, um, the average interest rate's been about 7.4. So the problem is we have a society of millennials that are, you know, they want they they want everything, and that's all they've lived and breathed and understood was low low interest yeah. rates. And if you take People out the gonna... la- you take out the last five years, that seven four is yeah. like nine and a quarter. Yeah. So the, it's just a, it you know it's a shift in the market and or so last ten years let's say yeah but, but it's a shift in the market and as real estate agents you know you want to be uh, knowledgeable enough to take away the fear because that's all they're hearing is the gospel of Google right they're going on and hearing all this crazy stuff that goes on <laughs> and if they could just come in and you know talk to loan officers and or the real estate agent can talk to loan officer and really learn what makes it tick. You know, well, what that, makes that was the problem when they created the whole thing. They didn't they didn't talk to the loan officers because the loan officers were the monster, you know. Um, oh, and believe me, we weren't because realtors were making money and buyers were making money. And, you know, and it, it came back. We all had turned to gold then. So right. what, what about what about the appraisal debacle? Right. What you think they're going <laughs> to fix that? I mean, just the uh, fact that you, you know, the the the, buy, the seller can't talk to the appraiser, the, the agent can't talk, the mortgage officer can't talk. I mean, it's it's a freaking disaster. What uh, what do you think that's going to get picked apart? I don't think that's going to get picked apart. I think that was a great decision because there was so much coercion going on, and even today, I you know, I, I know, can, but just now last now week, they can be real jerks. Like they just they, they don't even have to take yeah. your email or take into account that they made a mistake. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's just really the the appraisal management companies and who you're working with, you know, who your lenders are working with. I haven't experienced that. What I've been experiencing lately is a real estate agent trying to intercede into a VA loan, and I could have taken her license away. We call her broker, and he said, oh, my God, because she said, I do not want this appraiser because this appraiser made me cry one time. You don't have the choice to do that. She wrote a nasty gram to VA, and VA said, no, you don't have a choice. So I think the coercion is bad, I, but there is going to be a shift in appraisals because they're still very low-priced relative to all of the things the realtors have to, or the uh, appraisers have to to do and we have an aging appraisal market we have that aging in real estate mortgages and appraisals so you mean prices should go up because right now they're regulated the price right because but appraisers the, aren't making any money yeah. 
Yeah, who'd right. want to get into it. So we have all these aging appraisers and we have no one coming in behind there because they're like, well, I'm not going to do all that work for no no yeah, money. For, for so there's got something's got to, yeah. yeah, something's got to give. And I know I have a colleague out in Washington State and those appraisals are now up around $1,200. So they're, you know, so we're lucky in our area. You, you're in my area in the Washington, D.C. market that we're staying, you know, relatively low. I'm starting to see some at 750 on some jumbo deals. But um, I think I think that's probably going to be a little bit um, of a shift as well. You think that'll you know? ever become an automated industry? I mean, let's face it, everything it is moving that way. Yeah. yeah, it's moving that way. Um, I still think you need a human factor. We just had an appraisal done on a four-unit condominium, you know, where my client was buying one unit, and Fannie Mae, through their algorithm, came back and said it was rated as a five, which is the highest risk you could have, and we had to intervene and get some humans involved, and we were able to downgrade it to a three, so I think, and and then we were able to lend on it, but I think that you still have to have that human piece in, and I I think you're going to find that everywhere. Gosh, way back, you know, I remember when credit scoring came out and I had a conniption fit, and especially as an underwriter. <laughs> yeah. I said, Who's, what do you mean a score is going to do that? You know? know, that there's still issues that have to be contended with on the human side. You can't just say the score is 740. You've got to look at the content. There could be a 740 credit score with a one-time 30-day late in the last 12 months, and we can't do the loan. Mm. You know, Fannie and Freddie won't buy it. So you still have to see the human piece of that. Um, you know, so I, I think that's where... I think there's going to be some changes. I just not, I'm just not sure what they're going to be, and I just can't see that we're going to go all the way back on Dodd Frank. Now, what I do think is there's some still some things in Dodd Frank that haven't. You remember when San, um, Nancy Pelosi said up there, you know, it's 1,500 pages. We're going to sign it, and then we'll find out what's in it, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. There are some things that haven't been instituted yet that haven't been required, like and what? so those like the 1003. They're they're redoing the. I'm sorry, <laughs> the application. The, the loan application. application. Yeah, okay. the loan application is completely being redone. I've seen it, and um, it's now nine pages, not three. And everything that they they seem to do is uh, just more taxing on the lenders. And so what happens is you need uh, more team members, more support staff, more compliance people to be able to deliver a loan for fear that it would – you know, we wouldn't be able to deliver it as a QM, you know, as a qualified mortgage and have that safe harbor. And so the cost is going up to originate a loan. And you're just going to see that that's going to be passed on to the client in, you know, the miscellaneous fees. So, okay. So, so let's talk about that. Now, the cost is going up to originate a loan, but at the same time, you have uh, you know, artificial intelligence creeping in on that and bringing down the cost. And, th- and this leads me to this question. And I, I think I know the answer, but I'm, I want to let you dig into this. Last night, literally last night, my wife and I were catching up on The Walking Dead, right? Uh-huh. And next thing you know, here comes a commercial for Rocket Mortgage, right? Yep. yep. No paperwork, instant approval, right? Yep. How do they do that? Well, it's easy. It's easy to do. And a lot of us have the opportunity to do it as well. Um, so how, how the, the story behind uh, Quicken is who it is. Quicken is a technology company that happens to do mortgages along with other things. They just happen to do it. That's why they have a big call center and their loan officers are registered loan officers. They're not truly licensed. So they have an NMLS number, just like you guys all have numbers, but they don't have to go through the training and the classes that independent lenders do. So it's an artificial. Why? Why not? 
uh, because that's what the regulation is. If you work for a bank or a credit union, you just simply have to register and now you're a licensed loan officer. Now, if they were to leave those companies, so a Wells Fargo, a trust, any of um, SunTrust, any of those who, Bank of America, they leave those companies and go to an independent mortgage company, they have to go through the full testing. Uh, the 40 hours of testing, the annual CE credits and things like that. So I mean, when you- but a lot of it's the, obviously done through computers. There's not a guy sitting behind a desk intercepting your loan app at three in the morning when you can't sleep and you're filling out one of these rocket mortgage loans. <laughs> right. 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 So this, well, so they, pro- they might have. A yeah, robot doesn't have, have to pass the test. No, but the loan officer has to be able to originate the loan. And so when you walk into Bank of America, for example, and you say, I want to talk to a loan officer, literally someone could be coming out of the back blowing on their business card and saying, I'm a loan officer. Mm -hmm. And so that, that threatens our industry. And it's just like any industry, right? You have the good and the bad with it. But so Quicken is a, 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 a technology company. What they did is they spent over $8 million, 500 people, over three years to develop what they did. Okay. okay so say that's, that again. $500 million. $500 million over, over three five, years. Over three years with to 500 To develop uh, the rocket, rocket mortgage. mortgage. Okay. Yeah, to develop the rocket mortgage. So no other lender is going to be able to put that kind of time and effort in. I just happened to talk to, and by the way, I love showing Quicken um, with my clients because uh, it's just a bait and switch all over the place. Why? Uh, well, if you go to the go to the uh, when you go on to so if you're listening to this, go on to Quicken Loans, go to the first page and say, "Ooh, I like that rate." Click into it and check the rates, and then before you apply for the loan, which happens up at the very top, they're trying to come on, apply, 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 and they chat with you, and their pop ups are coming all over the place. Scroll all the way down to the bottom, and you'll find out that the rate that you just saw is 25% down, and usually with anywhere between two to 2.875 points. Mm. Most consumers don't do that, so. They they don't look down. They simply apply, and then yep. they baited them, right? Mm, okay. So, um, so that's the issue. But how they do it is that they have um, agreements with vendors, Bank of America, um, big employers, Raytheon, you know, AOL, those kinds of things, that they're able to uh, pu- go in and pull the data from them directly. The client has to release that information to be able to do that, to give them an authorization to release. So that's where they're gathering that information. Now, a traditional lender like myself, um, we have the ability to do that for, for bank statements, for verifications of employment. Um, that's much easier. But for bank statements, we're, we have the ability to do that through any of the credit bureaus that we're using, not the major three, but the credit companies who provide us with our credit reports. Um, we can do that. But I found, I've said to clients, you know, if you'll um, give us your password and all that stuff, we can just get that stuff for you. I'm not giving my password. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And who wants to do that in in the cybersecurity world? So I just talked to a colleague of mine at Freddie Mac. He's in charge of all the marketing. He was calling me. I I, uh, kind of provide some advice and advisory, you know, what the market's doing. He said, uh, don't expect it. You're not going to see it across the board. He said, there's just too many issues. Don't expect what? Don't expect to see that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are going to jump on this bandwagon and allow these types of... So uh, if I go to Rocket Mortgage, I can't get a Fannie Freddie, I can't get a FHA, I can't get a VA? Well, what they might be doing is they might be shelving the loan and selling it later. So I can? You can, yeah, but That's they're going to... That's all the consumer, ca- ca- hey, what does the consumer yep. care about that for? 
Yeah, but the thing is that it that means that there's not going to provide a platform for everyday lenders. Quicken has their own platform where they've done all that, and they're going to ha- most likely uh, shelf the loan, hold the loan for a year, and then sell it off to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Understand. For those, for those who are delivering directly to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, Fannie and Freddie are not going to provide a platform where we they'll accept all of those. They're, right. they're getting there so with some. So then you're SOL, right? I mean, you're, you're – yeah, we'll never be able to your compete with the though, right? convenience. Right? That's how they think. Yeah, yeah, you'll never be able to compete with the convenience. The question oh, is, I see. Is, so the consumer misses out because they don't get the hand holding. They don't get the hand holding. They don't get the expertise of a loan officer who is not just you know a, a um, they don't registered. Get a, they don't get any advice. No, and, and you, you know the you know the ironic part is you know how you said that you know they they have a little chat now buttons. Yeah, those are going all computer. Yeah. I mean, well, how many times do you call something? It's like push one, push two, push this, do that, you know. And They they actually have a chat now button that you can buy that will have interaction with your Facebook friends. Like if if you were to say, hey, Pat, how you doing? I would be, hey, Jen, explanation, explanation. I can type what I can tell at the computer what to say. And it'll basically follow up while I'm asleep for my Facebook friends. I mean, it sounds crazy, but uh, the, the point is... Rocket Mortgage, will do, I'm sure, is probably doing the same thing or oh, going to yeah. do the same exact thing. I mean, you yeah. got driverless cars, right? You have, right. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> right. a, it's a, just a matter of time, right? The whole thing will be automated. Do yeah. you think that someday the whole entire hand holding, advice giving mortgage officer job is just not going to exist? People are going to be like travel agents. I mean, like, what the hell's a travel agent? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, both lending and real estate are in that same debacle because, you know, you have Redfin, you have, you know, you have other companies that are just like that. And so the question is, you know, where at what what will be the threshold where the consumer does need expertise from someone other than a computer? That's you know? willing to pay. It'd be it would be almost like an attorney where uh-huh. you pay for the consultation. You pay an well, attorney three hundred bucks an hour. Well, if yeah. you want consultation on realist, this is how they do it in other like Ireland and and oh, I would England, love some to other be places able to like just that. charge people for my for my advice and never do a loan. Just let me charge. Just do. Yeah. Just let me talk to you. Yeah, that's three hundred bucks. Thank you. Yep. And you want to talk? Transparent, that's, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I would love it. But you know, that's the problem with Quicken, though, is that um, you are paying for it because those quotes that you get on the surface. When you start looking at the surface, who has twenty five percent to put down? I mean, most. I mean, there are people who do, of course, but most people are putting ten, fifteen, and five. Yeah, of course, of course. It's you a know, big switch, but everybody point eight seven five in points. Oh my gosh, you know, that's just silly. And and so, um, yeah, I can offer the same rates that they do, but do you want to pay that? And here's why you're doing it. Is is that worth it? Right. You know, so at it. the end of the day, though, they're cheaper. No, they aren't. Nope. Mm-mm. They're not cheaper. No, they're not. I mean, I'm talking like on paper. No, I can beat them every day. Really? I can beat them every single day. Where I can't beat them is when someone sees the surface and says, that's a great rate I'm going to apply. They get their credit pulled and then they're like, well, they pulled my credit. And, you know, so I can. So then what they do is they talk them out of the low rate with the points and then they start talking to them about higher rates and they end up the same way they could have been with me. You know, and this is a big thing, you know, as I'm training real estate agents, you know, I, we, I teach a class called real estate sales mastery and we, we do hardcore 
sales training and do some role playing and stuff. And one of the things that a lot of real estate agents are, are having a problem with is how do I get my client to get away from the online lender and work with my local lender who I trust because I don't trust these online lenders. And, you know, deals have been blowing up and things like that. So we, we work a lot with that in helping them understand. And of course, we want that too, right? We want well, the see, yeah, you're lucky because in, in some of these other industries, let's take the taxi cab industry, you know, <laughs> where Uber is majorly convenient, mm-hmm. you still have issues. Like my wife and I got into an Uber a couple months back and the dude had just finished smoking a massive amount of weed, like literally got in the car and yeah. I was like, holy dirt guy, really? I was like, and he just laughed and, and we were like rolled down the windows all right home. And, and, um, so I would, I could normally say, you know, Oh, I'm never using Uber again. But the fact of the matter is Uber's like half price of a taxi. So I'm going to be like convenience and economically better. Yes. Same thing happened with the insurance industry, right? When you had, you know, first Geico, then, then insurance, you know, progressive, all these guys coming in, you do it online, you're cutting the cost 30%. You're like, man, this is way cheaper, Right. If it providing I'm just getting one policy or whatever, but but with yeah, the mortgages, so you're saying the is, no, you're not you know, cheap. They're not cheaper. No, they're not cheaper at all. Not at all. I've I've done comparisons against them. I do them every day. Every time I meet with a client, I say I just want to go to my competition and show you what's going on out there. I want to show you the bait and switch that's happening. So no, they're not cheaper. I could give the same exact rate that they're quoting at two point eight seven five points if you want to pay two point eight seven five. But most people don't want to do that. They don't want to pay points. They don't have the money to pay points, you know. So so it's just a really it's an education for consumers. That's why I say the gospel of Google. And, you know, so the, one of the first things I do when I meet my clients is, OK, so let's dispel some myths out there. You know, recently there was a um, a study done by um, MGIC, which is the pri- the private mortgage one of the private mortgage companies, and the study was, and I may have my figures slightly off, but the figure it was millennials, and they were asked, "Do you understand the mortgage process?" Never talked to a lender. Do you understand the mortgage process? Yes, seventy six percent of them felt like they knew the mortgage process. Got it. Mm. Of the seventy six, sixty eight percent of those seventy six still thought that they had to put 20% down. Okay, so you know it, really? I don't think you do. So that's a concern because, uh, you know, that's going to be our big surge that's coming up, that and um, uh, ethnic groups, right? That's going to be our big surge of pent-up demand. And wait a minute, thinking- wait a minute. Go, slow down on that. What are, what are you talking about? Pent-up demand? Well, yeah, talk about, like, why you said that. Well, big surge and yeah, because groups. what's happening, yeah, because what's happening is the baby boomers had the millennials, and there are more millennials than there are baby boomers, and if we have baby boomers right now retiring, you know, two hundred thousand people are retiring a day, you know, as I mean, getting older, right, and retiring. So if this generation, my kids, my kids are millennials, if that generation is larger than the generation. Um, the generation, uh, yeah, the buyers, baby the boomers. buyer generation is small, is is bigger right. than the seller generation is yep. an easy way to put it. Yeah. And so what's happening is, so this is an interesting dynamic and we have a um, spring housing summit every year. We have it in a couple of weeks and we bring in economists and CNN people, uh, you know, who do money reporting or whoever. And one of the dynamics is that the millennials are competing for the same exact house as the baby boomers because they're downsizing. 
Exactly. This is a great conversation because because they don't value space. They value experiences. And the same thing when you get older, you don't value that space anymore. That's correct. You might not value experiences as much, right? Because, you know, for whatever, you know, physical reasons, but you probably value family more. You know what I mean? So you're, so, so both generations are devaluing space, which is a great, I've had this conversation with, with a couple other people too. I had it with Robert Kiyosaki when he was on episode 405 on, you know, when you have these generations devaluing space, you're going to see a depreciation in the upper end. And he said, unequivocally, you'll see this, this eventually you'll see a major depreciation in values of, of very expensive properties. But yeah, the McMansions. Going, yeah. yeah, the big McMansions and stuff that everybody had to have during the credit crisis or right prior to it. So, yeah, so they're competing for the same thing. The problem is there's not enough properties to be able to do that. And so there's there's this pent-up demand, you know, where people are, um, you know, the baby boomers are just now getting right with their loans, with their properties, and if they, if they didn't do a short sale, but they're just getting right with their properties. So now they're thinking, okay, now I'm going to downsize. At the same time, you have millennials going, well, I guess I need to get off the fence now because rates are going up. I, if I'm going to buy, I might as well buy now. The question is whether or not they have are um, knowledgeable enough, in their mind they are, but knowledgeable enough to know that they don't have to sit on that fence and wait for 20%. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's our job to be out there educating. I call it edu-selling. You know, edu-selling. We're, nice. we're educating and selling at the same time. But we need to educate these consumers. The problem that I see with real estate agents and all these classes, be social media and everything and all that's good. But it's like how to go after millennials, how to go after millennials. And I broke millennials up into three categories because it was too big of a category. Remember Gen, our baby boomer generation was – you know, this this year to that year, and it was huge. My, I think my mom was two years out of being a baby boomer, and I'm I'm one year away from being a Gen Xer. Okay, mm-hmm. we're we're considered baby boomers, right? And I'm with my mom, so it didn't make any sense to me. So I started going. You know what? The pro- the thing is, there's three baby, there's three millennial generations. There's what I call the hipsters. They're the young guys, you know. So if you know any, any suburban, or I'm sorry, urban area, you know, in our case, Arlington, they live in Arlington, they work in Arlington, and they play in Arlington, and they're living with their friends because they can't afford Arlington. They have no interest in buying a house right now. None. So if you're going to go after them, go after their mom and dad. Mm. That's who you market to mom and dad to get them prepped so they don't get their ducks in a row from the gospel of Google, but instead get their ducks in a row from you and from me, right? The second generation I call Henry's. That's high earners, not rich yet, or high earners, not ready yet. They're earning money, my daughter, 29 years old. Earns about $140,000 a year, has her own new house, a little condo or whatever, doesn't want to live with the girlfriends, doesn't want to live in Arlington. But if she does live in Arlington, it's not because she wants to party in Arlington. She now wants to go into the district for more sophisticated, expensive partying, right? Mm-hmm. So, and she's got a boyfriend, and so usually you see something like that. And so their dynamic is if you're going to go after them, have a happy hour. That's yeah. what they, take well, them to experiences, a right? It's all about right. experiences. It's totally not, different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and they're the believers that I need to have 20%. So we've got to educate them somehow. At Rebus University, we take the pain points out of selling real estate. 
Have you ever said out loud or in your mind, there are just no good leads or there's just no leads? Never again. That is exactly why we created 101 free ways to create real estate leads with real estate industry icon, Chad Goldwasser. Lost a listing to another agent? Never again. The Certified Listing Agent course goes through step-by-step step how eight of the world's top agents close 90-some percent of every listing appointment they go on. Industry icons like Buddy Blake and Marty Hampton have encouraged their entire team to take this course. And after they took it themselves, we gave them discounts for all their team members, and we'll give you that same exact discount if you go to rebusuniversity.com. Had a listing expire and another agent take it over and then drop the price drastically and it sold right away? Yeah, me too. That's why I created the Certified Price Reduction course. We've had several agents take that and get immediate price reductions. All of the reviews that we've gotten on rebusuniversity.com, by the way, have all been five stars. Our other flagship product, the Certified Team Agent with Jeff Cohn out of Omaha, Nebraska, has been selling off the shelves. Everybody wants to know what happens when you peel back the curtain of the Omaha's elite real estate team's inside business. Jeff and I sit down and talk about the nitty gritty of where every dollar that he makes comes from and where every dollar that he spends goes out. It's an incredible, candid, 10-hour course on how to build the mega team of the future. Use coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first course now. RebusUniversity.com And the last group I call the happies, that's my son. They've had their home, the first home. They're maybe on their second. They've had all, you know, all the jobs. They're settled into their career. They might have babies. They, they're getting married. And you know what they're doing? And, and this is statistically proven. Un, Unequivocally. Totally, well, no, I was going to, yeah, it is. But, but, and I have all the sources for it. But rather than having, uh, you know, what everybody thinks is that they're all going urban, urban, urban. The happies, which are the higher end of the millennials, the higher age bracket, are moving out further because they, they have this sense of community, not experience, community, but they don't want to be totally disconnected from the Henrys, but they have this sense of community where they want to raise their kids. And, you know, they're all gaga about the way they raise their kids. Can't put powder on the baby. You know, I did. My kids are fine. But, you know, they're just weird about all that stuff. So they want to be in that community. They can have mom groups and dad groups and play dates and all this stuff. And so they, they really are moving out more suburban. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Jen, this has been phenomenal. Listen, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about the, the mortgage industry and things that are happening with the mortgage industry. And we hit some incredible points here. I'm going to put all of your information on hybendigital.com. And I'm not going to make people spell your name. I'm going to just put Jennifer D, the letter yeah. D, hybendigital.com, Jennifer D. 
And uh, all Jen's information, you want to reach out there, you want to talk to her, she's got a ton going on. I'm going to put links to her websites in there. Jen, thanks again for coming on. Listen, best of luck to you, and hopefully we can meet together someday and break some bread. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on the show. I hope I was helpful to everybody and shared enough information that they thought it was worth it. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. All five-star reviews help us get better and better guests for your listening pleasure. And if you have a great review, I'll read it on the show. We are so proud of this show now with over a million downloads in 79 countries around the world. Also, don't forget to buy my book if you haven't already. Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate agent's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. With an intro by Gary Keller. Sold everywhere online books are sold. You can always go to pathyben.com and find out about all things Pat Hyben. And don't forget to follow me on social media. All you got to do is type in my name. I'm everywhere and easy to find. I hope to meet face-to-face someday, but in the meantime, let's meet on social media. Thanks again for listening, and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.